We drank Shiner out of Shiner at their own event. That's a good event. They need to just have a Lucy machine for drunk guys like me. That is like pure propaganda from big chocolate milk. Wes is a responsible adult. Travis is an idiot. Everybody knows Marty Smith. They don't know Marty Smith, they don't know ESPN. We're like the MJ Scotty Pippen of, of Can Jam. Don't worry about accolades, go chase the ring. I don't think wheat toast exists at Waffle House, Wesley. It does, I ate some this weekend. I have a bachelorette party all next week at my house in Charlotte. You're not responsible for buying the like decorations of that, are you? Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast. It is the week of September 19th. Today is September 20th as we sit here and tape this episode. Marty's here. Wesley's here. He's uh, a little bit under the weather. Yeah, you feel okay, Wes? I'm good. Travis is here wearing flannel. Very Nashville of him. Yeah, I had to mm-hmm. switch it up. I got some Nash- stuff later. Got some stuff later today. Nashville I, I, Travis rocking the flannel in the backwards well, cap. One, this isn't this isn't actually flannel. Uh, two, I have some, yeah, I have some stuff later today that I didn't think uh, as much as I love him. I didn't think the homage T-shirt was appropriate. So, mm. you know, got to. So we have, have a Buckeye like, on here. You actually dress up. No, why well, I should have worn an Ohio State shirt for our guest. Sorry, Marty. What'd you say? What do you have later today? Uh, going to Urban Cowboy to shoot some stuff for um, Six One Five Inside or another. All thing right, Urban Cowboy. Let's go. You gonna ride the bull? Uh, no, I've had to ride. I've had to ride the bull twice here in Nashville, both losing bets. Uh, we we try to stay away from that, especially if we're sober. I mean, I mm. feel like you should ride the bull, or it's a failed yeah. trip there. No, see, this is no. Do not try Don't to ride the bull. You probably shouldn't go. You, if you two come to town, then we can discuss this. But if you two aren't even here to, to like talk me into it, it's not going to work. No. I don't know if I'm cut out for Nashville, man. There's just a lot going on. It's a loud, lot going on, man. Loud town, kind of settled down in my my older years well, here. So what you have to do though is like, all right, I'm going to go out Friday night. So then Saturday, I'm going to take it. You know, I'm not going out. Like you just gotta. You got to strategize. You kind of got to look ahead at what you have coming up too, because it can all of a sudden you go. Oh, out it'll bite you, man! It'll bite you. I mean, you Travis was supposed to come see the Marty and McGee program and see his old friends that launched his career, and what did he do? <laughs> I get a text like three hours after my show ends. Hey, bud, I'm not going to make it. I'm kind of hungover. Well, that's good because the show was over two and a half hours ago. Um, look, man, you got to let your yes be your yes, Travis. You say you're going to go, you got to go. When we were in Nashville for Marty and McGee SEC Nation, we went to dinner at um, – at, uh, what the hell's the name of that chop house, Travis? Hall's, Hall's Chop House. Do you think I go to a chop house? Yeah, it was Hall's <laughs> Chop House. We go there. They had really good wine, like super, super great wine list. And had a great dinner with the entire SEC Nation group. And then I was going to bed. I mean, it was like, I don't know, 9.30, something like that. I'm going to bed. I'm going to get up. We're on central time. I got to be ready to fire. got to get up earlier than normal. And I get to my hotel, and there's a group text for everybody, and it says, we're going to the tin roof. Get your ass to the tin roof. So I call up <laughs> McGee. I said, hey, get meet me in the lobby. Call up Randy. Meet me in the lobby. Oh, man. We go over to Tin Roof. So, we're at Tin Roof, and I will say this. I wish I knew this gentleman's name, 
the line for Tin Roof on a Friday night was a hundred people long. I, I mean, I'm guessing it was down there, man. So I walk up and like we get out of this Uber and I'm looking at this line and I look at Randy. I'm like, hell no, I ain't I ain't waiting for this. I'm going to bed, man. And as I say to Randy, hey, let's get an Uber home, dude. I said, McGee, dude, abort mission. We're out of here. <laughs> I get grabbed on the arm. I turn around. It's a nice gentleman. He's uh, as wide as he is tall in the shoulders. And he goes, Marty, come on. I said, what? He goes, who's with you? I said, these two clowns. He goes, come on. Marches us right in the door. Awesome of him to do. And we're standing there, right? It's our whole group. Everybody's having a great time. I said I wasn't going to have any more drinks. I probably had four more Coors Lights during the 25 minutes we were there. But as we're standing there, I notice this one girl looks in our direction. And she is like, like her facial expression is this eureka face. Like, oh, my gosh, it's him. It's Ryan McGee. Uh-uh. Nope. It's Randy Harris. Try again. Jordan Rogers, okay? <laughs> oh, the, the king Mr. Of Bachelor. Yeah. So this girl comes over, and she says to us, is that Jordan Rogers? We're like, yeah. She was like, can I get a picture? I said, I don't know. I'm not him. For $10. Like, you got to ask him. Once one of them gets a photo, oh. boys, it is a stampede. This so one girl walks up to Randy Randy looks like he could be my older brother. Yes. We have very similar builds. His hair's gray. His beard is gray. It's like gray. It's, like, it's more gray than it is red. What does Mine's Randy still do? a little What's more red role? than it is gray. He's the, pro- he's the producer. He's the Marty and McGee producer. This girl walks up to Randy and goes, is that Jordan Rogers? Randy goes, it is. She goes, are you his dad? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers. <laughs> It's Mr. Rogers. That's why if you go back and if you, any of you who happen to watch the Marty McGee program from Nashville when we were at Vanderbilt, I made like four different re- uh, references to Jordan Rogers' dad during the program. Mm. Well, after the program ends, I ran to pee, and this nice gentleman walks up to me, sticks his hand out. He says, how you doing, Marty? I said, how you doing, sir? He goes, I'm Jordan Rogers' real dad. <laughs> it was Mr. Rogers. Why are you so, talking about me so much, sir? So, you're right, Wes. I mean, I love Nashville. I love it so much. I have so many very close friends there. Um, I love the food in Nashville. I, of course, nobody loves country music more than I do. We saw a girl that night when we went out. It was Thursday night, actually. Thursday night, Thursday we went, went, out on, went out on Broadway. And first, we went to Aldine's. And saw these two guys sitting there singing covers, and they were awesome. And then, I, again, again, I was ready to go to bed. Nobody else was. So we went down the street. I forget which one of the bars it was. But you walk in the front door, and the stage is directly to your right. It wasn't Tootsie's. It was another one. And we walk in the door, and this band is walking up onto the stage, and there was a young lady there who – saw this fiddle like Charlie Daniels. I mean, mm. it was insane watching this band. That girl, they played, um, if you're going to play in Texas, and she slayed that were you, fiddle. 
were you at the stage? I don't know. I don't remember what it was called. I, I I've been in stage. all of them, but they kind they kind of run together once your blood alcohol content finds a certain plateau. But anyway, had a blast in there, and then everybody went to Tootsie's except for myself. I left. If uh, if you guys had one chance, all right, I'm talking like eight mile style. This is your one opportunity. You're in Nashville. You can sing one song. You feel the most confident that you have it in the bag to perform and try to get noticed. What song do you think you could actually knock out of the park? Uh, two come to mind because they're karaoke go-tos for me. The first is That's Damn Rock and Roll. I love that song. By Chief. The second is She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy by Kenny mm. Chesney. Plowing these fields in a hot summer sun. Didn't you just sing that Over like last week or something? by the gate, Lordy, here she comes with a basket full of chicken and a big cold jug of sweet, sweet tea. tea. That's it. Yes, I did just sing this at a party a couple of days, weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now. Slayed it, man. Brought the house down. Uh, if I had to sing one, I'd sing Chattahoochee by AJ for sure. But I'd probably... Probably put a little Willie Nelson in there too. Um, what was you down saying? Yonder on the Chattahoochee. Oh, you would you would sing Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson as Willie Nelson. Yeah, it gets oh, hotter. It. That's good. The hoochie coochie. I'm a little off with my nasal situation right now, but that's what I go with. What about you, Travis? Speaking of Willie, Willie's on my Yeti. <laughs> Don't ever. Man, Willie's uh, such a G, man. I would – have you ever met him, Marty? Nope. God, I'd, I think I'd die if I met him. Yeah, it would be an awesome conversation. I don't know. Man. I don't know how I'd do it. I've read uh, like five biographies on Willie. Did you know one year – I want to say it was in the 60s. He was in Tootsie's. Willie was in Tootsie's getting drunk, and it started snowing. And so he walked out in the middle of Broadway and started doing Snow Angels. <laughs> In the middle of the street, in the middle of Broadway. Couldn't do that now. No, he might die. I, I, all right, here's mine. I'm gonna go with Luke Combs. One too many. That's my pick. You're not you need sing a song for us now. No, you, you don't sound not. too confident no. in it. I listen. I understand. I can't sing, so I'm not gonna torment our. You're listeners. also in an office surrounded by other people. Marty and I are just in the freedom of our own homes i get it but but the key with a karaoke song or you just sing at a bar is it's if it's your one song you got to pick a song that the crowd is going to get into far too often i'm at a karaoke bar and person picks a song that they love but nobody knows or nobody cares about and it's just dead like you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta understand and read the room when you're doing karaoke you gotta know your you audience just for sure there. yes or one of two things karaoke is one of two things travis it is a you can sing your ass off, and you pick whatever song you want. Yes, of And course. people are just floored by your talent. Or two, you pick a popular song that everybody knows and is just pumped that you're singing it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you sound. Right. You can sound like a cow in heat. <laughs> oh, here's another one. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I mean, yeah, everybody loves that song. Right. Does, uh, do your wives uh, do karaoke at all? No. Nope. Either of you? 
Karaoke, not no. Lanester's thing, bud. My wife has. She likes been going to karaoke. She likes watching other people sing karaoke. Yeah. If Laney was going to do karaoke, her go-to song would be. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. That's that's funny you say that. That would be Brittany's too. Goat, that is her jam, bro. She actually knows the words to the song. So that would be the one. Another great song that Laney loves is Under Pressure by mm. Queen. Okay. Not Doom, 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 Doom. It's, yeah, it's dun, not dun, stop, dun, collaborate, and listen. Ice dun, is back dun, with dun, a brand dun, new dun, invention. Dun. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will I ever stop? Yo, I don't, I don't know. know. Turn out the lights, and I'll Vanilla glow Ice to the extreme. I rock the mic like a vandal. <laughs> Have y'all seen Vanilla Ice explain why he did it? How he didn't rip Queen off with that beat? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ice. I mean, come on, man. Vanilla Ice, though, will come after us and try to sue us for that, though. Why? No, man. He's <laughs> Well, ours was doon, 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 doon. So you ours didn't. We didn't What I his. just did was not, like, it, what I just sang was not Ice Ice. It's some, you can't, it's not even distinguishable. You know he had a reality show where he was, like, uh, doing, like, renovating yeah, the home, home improvement. <laughs> yeah, man. I, man. You I know one time I was that. at Pocono Raceway? And and Ice was and Vanilla Ice was the Grand Marshal of the Pocono 400, and he brought the 5.0. He brought the white Mustang to Pocono. I mean, you have to, right? I mean, if you have the Mustang, you got to take it. What else are you gonna mm-hmm. drive? Oh, box body Mustangs are sweet, by the way. Box I mean, body everything. Super sweet. Like that guy in uh, the dude in Ozark, the p- private investigator in Ozark. He drives that old, like, 88 box body Mustang. Mm. That thing is awesome, awesome, Here, awesome. Here's awesome. a really inside baseball nerdy car fact for you guys. My brother shared with me. With the, uh, more, the, the electric vehicles becoming more popular, you know, a lot of these cars were very aerodynamic because of fuel efficiency. But now with all these electric cars coming, there's going to be, like, this renaissance of square body stuff coming back, trucks Good. and cars and everything, which I think is really sweet. I was thinking about fuel the other day and, and, and battery-powered vehicles. I was like, man, you know, I was at, we were out on the water. I was, uh, my girls wanted to go tubing on Sunday, so I took them out on the, on the boat tubing, and I'm slinging them around all over the place. They're doing cartwheels on top of the water like a human yard sale. And I'm like, man, at least boats are still going to use fuel. Like, they don't make electric boats yet, right? Yeah, I don't think you want to mix electricity and water. I'm not a scientist, but I think that's a bad idea. You think? Yeah, I mean, I, you could just. I mean, they have batteries in them already. The Boats have batteries anyway. Yeah, but you have that much electricity in one boat in a giant body of water. That sounds like a hazard. I don't know. I think these days they got the technology to make everything waterproof. Imagine going to the to the fuel dock in ten years, and the same guys that have been filling up your gas tank, the same good old boys up there, are now just plugging your boat in. Yeah. I'll tell you what else though. So Laney, all right. So my boat was not starting. This was a month. This was months ago, but the boat wasn't starting, and I couldn't figure out why. And what happened was, if you're, there was water, water had gotten in the battery compartment, and the battery was sitting in water, which uh, removes the charge. 
And so I took the battery out of the compartment and put it perpendicular to the compartment and let it all dry out. And whoa, she cranked right up. How about that? YouTube, son. Learned it on YouTube. YouTube is going to teach my kids everything. Seriously, it's like going to university. It's like going to college. I go to YouTube all the time for different things that I can't figure out. My vacuum's broken. Go to YouTube, look it up. Like, it can solve everything. Yeah. Um, I, so my our uh, dishwasher wasn't working. Couldn't figure out why. Hmm. I YouTubed it. There was a right there was a tutorial of how to do it. I look at it. The like I couldn't get the unit from underneath the counter. So we wound up calling a plumber. He comes out or whatever guy we called. I'm like, dude, I think this is the problem. I learned it on YouTube. Sure enough, that was the problem. But we had to hire those guys to do it anyway because there was some solenoid valve that was broken or something. Well, there's just something about watching someone else visually do it and get mad. Like a lot of the things I've learned on YouTube is putting together like Ikea stuff. Because the instructions on paper, for some reason, just don't translate Dude. to my brain. I, e- even Swedish pictures, I don't understand. It's a different language. But the videos and seeing someone else, like there's a, an account out there where a dad just gets mad at Ikea when he's putting his stuff together. <laughs> That's very relatable content. And I, I don't know why I'm not doing it. The NASCAR playoffs are down to 12 drivers next weekend. They're in Texas. And then on October 2nd, they head to Talladega for the Yellowwood 500. If you've never been to Talladega, y'all need to saddle up and head on down there. My favorite place, it is NASCAR. On Saturday, October 1st, you can experience two races for the price of one in the Camping World Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. General admission starts at $45. Kids 12 and under are free. You should take your kids out there, guys. You take them to a NASCAR race or two in that instance. It is sensory overload, and they will love it. And the sport wants young fans. It's an awesome family experience. Take your kids out there to Talladega. On Saturday night, my guy Chase Rice will be performing. You won't want to miss his concert. He's got a brand-new album coming soon. And, man, is it good. I have heard it myself. Y'all get out to Talladega. Yellowwood 500 on Sunday, Xfinity and Trucks on Saturday. Make sure you go out there and check it out. Kids 12 and under are free. Speaking of. I wanted to talk about. What is it? You trying to put together some stuff yesterday. Okay. That's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Speaking of terrible paper directions. Hold on a second though. Wes, did you see his Instagram story last night? Uh, No. Okay. Sorry. Vivian. All right, there's this is a this is a multi-tiered conversation. Vivian I'm here for it. wanted to have this, this dollhouse. Vivian loves these dolls called LOL dolls. And then they have some cousins called OMG dolls. What about the right. SMH dolls and the WTF dolls? <laughs> Wes, just get ready. This is your future, Wes. I'm ready, man. So as part of her appreciation for LOL dolls and OMG dolls, she happened upon on YouTube this house, this dollhouse that they make for these specific dolls. She wanted it really bad. And so, hold on a minute. 
Oh, I just got a text from my beautiful, far better half. Martin, Baby Got Back is one of my favorite songs, not my go-to karaoke song. It's very hard to sing. I stand corrected. Sorry, honey. <laughs> now, back to L-O-L-O-N-G-W-T-F-H-S-M-H. Uh, Vivian wanted this dollhouse, very specific dollhouse, and that thing was like 200 dollars Super expensive. So... She put together a business with her mom's help. And they started making these bracelets that were bead bracelets that were University of Georgia colors, the Ohio State University colors, Clemson colors, Michigan colors, mm. Alabama, you name it, all, Miami, Florida State, whoever, right? Radford. So Laney... Uh, does a video on her Instagram of these bracelets and what they're trying to do, how they're trying to make these bracelets for people and raise money. Vivi goes out to the street front out here in front of my house and starts like manually selling these things. A couple neighbors buy them. Our neighbors are amazing. They buy a couple of these bracelets. Then Laney puts this video on her Instagram story and jumps into my Instagram story and puts it on mine. Y'all, it became a business real fast. This one gentleman, hold on, I'm going to look up his name. This one gentleman who has been uh, an amazing uh, fan of mine for a long time, um, let me find it here, okay. This gentleman, who has been an, an awesome fan of Marty and McGee and of what I do for a long time, my book, his name is Tyler Donovan. Mr. Donovan bought 50, 5-0 United States Army-themed bracelets, black, gold, and white, 50 of them. By himself, he paid for the, for the dollhouse. And Laney, her little friend Emmy down the street, and, and, and I mean, uh, excuse me, Vivi, her little friend Emmy down the street, and Laney made those bracelets, sent them off. Mr. Donovan's like, oh, do you need me to pay for shipping? I mean, like he's the most kindest, most selfless person. And so Vivi now has the money to get her LOL, OMG, Wes, WTFs, and SMHs. Yes, that house. OHIOs. OHIO. And so, um, go Hokies. VT. Did you ever see the video of my buddy who uh, tried to do the VT thing on TV and got it backwards and they made a whole meme out of him? Anyway. Yes. So. The OMG house shows up while I am gone at Auburn University. Yeah, for I just the watched the story. State game. All right. Start it's in the sweating. back of Laney's car. So I get home yesterday from playing the best round of golf in my life. Let's go. And Laney goes, Martin, uh, OMG house is here. Can you please get it out? It's very heavy. Yeah, I got you. Dude, I pulled this thing out of her car, and it was all heavy as heck. I'm like, where am I putting this thing? Upstairs. Take it up the stairs. Unbox the whole thing. 
I don't know. This is a guesstimate. I'm going to say it was 35 or 40 pieces that needed to be screwed together. And y'all, OMG, there was like 150 screws. That's why they call it the OMG house, Travis. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I call it the O <laughs> house. <laughs> so, Vivi. I'm like, I don't know, we're getting started. I'm looking at the directions. Directions don't make any sense. The pictures, the pictures are terrible. And I'm like trying to decipher. I don't want to put things backwards. I don't I want a like a subcontractor to come out. I needed, I needed a lot of help. I needed an engineering degree from, from Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech in order to get through this thing. So Vivi's helping me. She's so sweet. Like, we're, I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 30 minutes into putting this thing together. And she goes, Dad, those people, those people on YouTube don't know what they're talking about. They said this takes two hours. And I was like, oh, it's not going to take two hours, baby. Don't worry. They don't have a dad as cool as yours. <laughs> it took yeah, us three hours. Dads. It took us three hours. You couldn't use a drill. The screw heads were so small. I didn't have a Phillips head drill, a Phillips head bit. Small well, enough how about when to they fit? send these screws, they're not the best quality. So no, they are you not. strip all of them. They all uh, get stripped. Did they give you like that one little tool that you have to use for every little thing? Now that's a, that's a major bane of my existence is the when you're going to put together you're going to put together yes. like an entertainment center that's 57 pieces and 90 95 screws and they give you uh a wrench that looks like it was made out there to Giles High shop class. I mean, it's. I you mean, it doesn't even fit the wrench. nut. It do, doesn't even fit too. the nut. It's supposed to tighten. I swear they give you like a couple extra parts just to f with you. Oh, they do. Like, yeah, no, no question. 100%. There were like seven extra screws, and I'm sitting here looking at this. I didn't say anything, but I'm sitting here looking at this like there's five or seven uh, extra screws here. Viv, let me see. The, let me see them directions a minute. So I look back at the directions again. I'm like I did that. I did that. I did that. Hell, I did that backwards and turned that back around. So that's good. We put the elevator on. That's cool. Slide snapped together. It took me 20 minutes to figure out the damn slide. There's a palm tree you got to put on. Viv had right. gone ahead and put the handrails on the slide, and I'm trying to drill these little itty bitty teeny, or excuse me, screw these little bitty bitty teeny screws in to hold the top of the slide on. They won't go in. They won't catch the top of the slide. And I'm like, what in the hell? And then I look at the directions again. You're supposed to go from the top. I had to take the handrails out of the slide that Vivi had already installed. I'm like, baby, look, it goes down. She was like, oh, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm like, that's all right. It don't matter. It just took me a minute. It's just. But how, you many know what? Did, how many drinks did you have during this? Zero. Actually, well, Laney and I, we, we had some wine last night. I would have gone but through a few trying to do that. I didn't have any drinks at all as a result of that. Here is the point, okay? It took forever. It was tedious, but I got to spend three hours with my little girl. She is so full of joy that she now has her L-O-L-O-M-G. Wes? The... Fu house. She's going to play with it for. <laughs> she's going to play with it for. I would say, seventy five percent of the time it actually took you to build it. Yeah, I think she's going to really play with it a lot though. I All think, right. I think that she and her friends they love that stuff, man. So I think it'll get some use. And she learned 
you know, the value of hard work too. Of, she did, you know, yeah. working and to pay for that. I so, um. So, but Wes, Wes, lesson learned, Wes. When your daughter gets old enough and she says anything about OMG, you just eighty six it. Nope, uh, honey, we're doing this. Like we nah, just move, keep it moving. Kate's found a lot of the things that Brittany played with when she was a girl. So it's kind of the hand me downs, like the brats, not brats, uh, Polly Pockets. She oh, found some go. of them. So she's all about that. So as long as she she's satisfied by morning. that, well, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> she says to me this morning, Dad. Um, I noticed last night that the Ken dolls that I have that are Barbies are a little too tall for the LOL OMG house. And so I might need to get some new guys. And I'm like, dude, Ken will fit. That's a Ponzi scheme. Sit Ken down. He'll be all right. Marty, Shaquille O'Neal. Have you got Shaquille O'Neal can fit in to places so Ken can make it. Have you gotten any shots since you uh, jumped into the lake there at Boom. No, I have not. You okay? No shots. I feel fine. Yeah. All right. You didn't get Everybody, any of that alligator you, you, disease or You sound far, far worse yeah, you, than I you do. You sound like you jumped um, in the pond. Look, my guy Stetson Bennett can puke on the field at South Carolina and go throw three touchdowns. Who am I to say that I can't show up to work and do this podcast? Very yeah, Laney and I have received – Laney and I have received countless direct messages on uh, social media letting us know that there's a pink eye epidemic at Appalachian State for people that jumped in. There's various other ailments that people have had. Um, I don't know if you can contract some of the things that they have said I might now have as a result of jumping in the water. But I'll tell you, like you my jumped execution, in alone, though. I think when there's a lot of people in there, that might kind of. No, there, there's a whole lot more to this. Number one, I did jump in alone. I also devised a very specific and well-executed post-jump strategy. Okay. Jumped in. I did not swim all the way to the exit. I swam right back where I came from. I had them help me out where the sports information director, Joey Jones, who's a legend, was waiting for me. We walked directly up the hill, probably 100 yards, to Kid Brewer Stadium. I walked directly into the coach's locker room, directly into the shower, stripped naked, washed every single thing that I have five times. I washed everything, rinsed it all off, washed it again, 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 rinsed it all off. I found crevices I didn't even remember I had. I was hoping they took you to like a car wash and just sprayed you down outside. Just walked through all the... I mean, you know, there was a a college game day sign that said... Did you guys see the college game day sign about the pink eye? No. <laughs> what did it say? Um, I'll show you what it said. It said, Marty Smith has pink eye. Uh, I think you're My good by awesome. now, though. It seems like you probably crossed. It was six water. days ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was six days ago. So, did you see Luke chug that? First of all, it wasn't a Miller Lite, which I was shocked. But did you see Luke chug that beer when he first got to uh, App State and Boone? I haven't he, seen anything. 
you, a lot of times you'll see people quote unquote chug a beer and they never finish it. You could see Luke clearly crack it open, then just opens his mouth and dumps it in. He doesn't close his mouth. He's just swallowing it and finishes this Coors Light. The most amazing performance I think I saw all Saturday. That's well, one thing you got to understand is, is that Miller, like he has a Miller Light deal. But the company is called Miller Coors. Miller Coors. So uh, even oh, though I'm right. sure they're competitors in the – now here's one thing about the beer business that's interesting, y'all. I learned this when I used to do appearances with Dale Jr. for Bud. They have a thing called share of stomach. So, so it's like eyeballs on TVs. They're measuring your gut. Even though Miller Coors are still the same company. I don't know this. You know, I'm, they battle for share of stomach, but I, I would imagine it's okay uh, that I mean Miller Lite gets a lot of exposure because of Luke. They made a Luke Combs can. Have you guys seen it? Missed that one. I haven't. It's got a cartoon Luke on it. I do. I drank love a bunch of them when we though. were. I do love a good when we did our redneck can. combine over at uh, Bank of America Stadium. Oh yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. It was a blast. We had a lot of fun. Um, all right, guys, we're going to pause the Marty Smith podcast for just a second to offer a word about our biggest supporter. That is Moultrie. Look, they are they have the best outdoors products out there. All right. Y'all know how much I love their field cameras, their trail cameras. They have unbelievable deer feeders. And look, I want to show you guys this bag today. I call this the Moultrie Fanny Pack. All right. This thing has five or six different compartments. It has a very large compartment up here on the top, side compartments, and the shoulder strap goes all the way around your shoulder so that you can look like all the cool kids who have their fancy fanny packs around their chest these days. They don't even wear them around their fanny anymore. They wear them around their chest, and you can too. This is an awesome bag. Hannah and everybody down there at Moultrie Feeders sent me a killer gift box about two weeks ago. And it has all the outdoors hunting accessories that I want. They sent me trail cameras. They sent me this bag. They sent me, I don't even know what all is in There's hats in there, a pair of binoculars. There's all kinds of amazing products in this gift box. I know she's getting ready to send one to another friend of mine who was mentioned earlier in the podcast. You guys can, uh, that's a little cliffhanger for you. But go to MoultrieFeeders.com. That's Moultrie. M-O-U-L-T-R-I-E, MoultrieFeeders.com. They have all the hunting accessories you need. Please support Moultrie because nobody supports the Marty Smith podcast better than Hannah and everybody at Moultrie. MoultrieFeeders.com. All right, we have an awesome guest today here on the Marty Smith podcast, somebody that I admire greatly. Met this young man back in 2014 when... ESPN embedded me with Travis Rockhold's The Ohio State University uh, as they prepared to face Alabama in the Sugar Bowl that year. Went on to win the national title, and this guy was one of the lifeblood guys of that team. Joshua Perry, war number 37 for Ohio State. He was a wonderful, wonderful player and wonderful, wonderful ambassador. At that school, he had a three- or four-year career in the National Football League for the Colts and the Chargers. And now he is an analyst 
and play by play, excuse me, analyst uh, not only in studio but also uh, on some games for Big Ten Network. His media career is exploding, and he has just the most awesome perspective on not only the game but on life. I love his whole family. I've met his whole family. So let's bring Josh in. As we stated, it is uh, such a pleasure for me to welcome Joshua Perry to the podcast. I have known him for some time now. Met him when he was an absolute monster in the middle of the Ohio State University defense back during the national championship season of 2014. And first, I just want to ask how you're doing, man. I love you. I'm so proud of what you're doing. And uh, update us. I mean, you're you're like this television superstar now. <laughs> How's it going, I man? About, I don't know about a superstar. Uh, everything's going well. I'm fortunate and blessed. Uh, I can remember back to when we first met. And um, one of the things that always stood out about what you did was your relationship building with, with players, but also just your professionalism. And uh, I had an opportunity after I retired from the NFL in 2018 to step into media. And um, it's, it's kind of taken off from there, but I've always kept in the forefront of just being a professional dude that's relatable, um, you know, and, and takes the time to really get to know the people um, that I get the pleasure to spend time with. So it's been a ton of fun. Doing a little bit of everything, covering college football on Big Ten Network, uh, doing some work with Bally Sports as well on a daily studio show. Um, and I could not be happier as a guy who never truly like intended to do this when I was done playing. This has been an absolute dream come true. It's the least surprising thing in the history of the universe that you're thriving in media. I remember when we met. You told me and shared with me that it was something you were interested in doing, you know, when you got done with your playing career. And you're so talented at taking the expertise that you have between the lines and conveying it to the audience. That's a lot harder thing to do than people realize. And you were great at it for me when I was, you know, trying to get information about you and your teammates and schematic things and, and the, the intensity of the, of the unit. All of those things you were so good at sharing with me in a way that I could share it to the seven trillion Ohio State fanatics out there, including <laughs> Travis, who was probably drunk somewhere, cussing me out. Why is this redneck talking about my team on my television? <laughs> um, but I, I just want to—I want to go back to that team, man. We'll, we'll get into what you're doing and, and whatnot in a minute, but that was an unbelievably special group of men and an unbelievably destined group of men uh, there were pros everywhere on that roster and I remember the, how the season started because uh, of course I'm a Virginia Tech guy but man what we don't what, have to talk what, about that what game. happened about that game a lot on this show it, it, it uh, definitely has staying power it, uh, it, it definitely has a, a very special place in my heart but so does that uh, 14 Ohio State group I mean it was basically those guys held my hands and, and helped me through my first foray into reporting on college football for the most popular team in the country. So, all right, that was a, a hell of a diatribe. Go take us back to that team and that locker room and what made that team different? 
Yeah, I mean, it was unique, and, and you know, you know all the storylines. You were there, and, and uh, you saw it up close and personal. But for us, like, the year even started off on a, a weird note. And it, I think you got to go back to 2013 in 2012 to even put the context around it. But Urban Meyer comes in as the head coach, and we get off to a hell of a start. We went 24-0 uh, at Ohio State between the regular seasons of 2012 in 2013, we couldn't play in the postseason in 2012 because of NCAA sanctions. Um, and then 2013, we get to the Big Ten championship game. We know if we win that football game, we'll play for a national title. And Michigan State had a great team that came out the gates. They handed it to us, and we lost that game. First loss that we had experienced as a team in two years. And that was a, a, a crossroads for us. Was that the Urban Meyer pizza game? It was. was that the it was. <laughs> and I'm actually getting ready to see my old coach today. Uh, as we record this, so I'll, I'll make sure to remind him of that. But um, that was like the first crossroads for us as a team. And Urban in, in the locker room, I can remember it vividly, like he almost didn't know how to have the conversation about we just lost a game. He wasn't prepared for it. He hadn't done it before at Ohio State. He didn't know. And so we start preparing for a bowl game. We're playing Clemson in the Orange Bowl. And, uh, you know, we had a couple guys banged up. Bradley Roby is what I like to call the first opt-out in college football because he didn't play in that game. Yeah. And I think if it was a, a higher-stakes game, he might have been able to go. But, uh, you know, he's a first-round pick trying to protect himself, and I don't fault him at all. But we were down a man, so you got Von Bell making his first real appearance in college football. Uh, we had the electric offense with Braxton Miller and uh, Carlos Hyde, and, and Zeke was really starting to come on as Ezekiel Elliott as well. Uh, great wide receiver group, but we go down there and we make some mistakes. I don't think we're fully invested in the game and we lose. So you have 24 straight and then two losses in a row. Um, and in that game, Braxton busts his shoulder up. So he's rehabbing all offseason, trying to get back. Fast forward to fall camp. Uh, Braxton throws like an easy swing route out to the flats. Um, something happens in his shoulder and we just all knew like Braxton's done. And so we're toward How the end of training camp. It just the, his reaction off of such a pedestrian throw was it was an overreaction and I mean you could cut the tension on that practice field with a knife and everybody went dead it was silent and uh you remember Curtis Grant and I can remember he kind of grabs us on the defensive sideline during practice and he was like man this is gonna be on us this year he's like we're gonna have to tighten up and we're going through a coaching change on that side of the football Chris Ash comes in brings a new defense so we're still learning um, and we're preparing for a Navy team that runs triple option. So our, our whole game plan's out of whack. And I'm, I'm saying all this stuff to get to the good stuff. So uh, <laughs> JT Barrett ends up being the starting quarterback. We go out, we play Navy, get off to a slow start, end up winning the game running away. And then we come back home for our, our opener. And defensively, we don't know how to defend the spread anymore because we were so obsessed with defending the triple option. Um, Virginia Tech comes out. In, in the bare front, and they're running zero coverage behind it, and we didn't have any answers. And so we lose that game, our home opener of 2014. And so it was 24 straight wins, and now you're looking at uh, three out of four games you just lost, and the program could go to hell based off of that. Like, it could be done. And <laughs> just a few guys in that locker room said, this is not who we are, this is not what this university is, and we're going to figure out how to turn this thing around. And we just went to work. And the wind started stacking up. We get to the end of the year. We're playing Michigan at home. Um, those who remember the story, 
like deep into it. Coach Sakara George, one of our teammates, went missing that week. Uh, and so they ran a PSA and had a moment of silence before the game, had no idea what had happened to him. Uh, we played the game, we're rolling, JT Barrett breaks his ankle, Cardell Jones has to step in. And then uh, we go in that Sunday, we're breaking down the tape. We, we learned that Costa had committed suicide, so there's a somber feeling among the team because we lost one of our brothers, but also we, we lost on the field one of our biggest reasons that we had had success. And we were, we're getting ready to play the Big Ten Championship game. We got to figure things out. Um, and we figured it out, 59 to nothing against Wisconsin. It was a statement to, um, to the, the committee. And at this point, we had no idea what this committee thing was, how they thought, what their, their conversations would be in the background. It's the first year of the playoff. But we make it in um, as the four seed. We get Alabama, and we knew. We just we knew, like, this is it. This is everything that Urban had preached about. These are the games that we came to Ohio State to play in. Um, and so we go, we're playing in the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, geographically, it's all Alabama. And uh, it, was, it was a slow start for us, but defense came together. Steve Miller had that pick six, huge play. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott's running up and down the field, and everybody's talking about uh, Alabama running backs and Derrick Henry, who's a phenomenal player. But Ezekiel Elliott stole the show that day. And after we beat Alabama, we knew we won the national championship. Didn't matter if the New England Patriots were coming out on the other side uh, <laughs> in, in Dallas for the championship game. We had won it because we beat Alabama. Um, and so it was a story of ups and downs. It was dreams and it was nightmares all at the same time. But um, it, was, it was a heck of a thing to be a part of. And I, I'm just glad that I get to be a footnote in the media guide saying that I played on that team and made a couple tackles. Get out of here, man. You were the heart and soul of that That's team. all it says in there. You know, I, I made a couple of tackles. I want to know, though, when Marty Okay, walks Travis. Out. Travis gets one No, no, this is not an Ohio State question, though. It's not an Ohio State question. When Marty – Why? We're talking about the Buckeyes, Marty man. Walks in Precisely, the, Wes. Exactly. When Marty walks into the Woody, what's your guys' first reaction seeing him for the first time? <laughs> That's like, actually a good question. It's funny, uh, and this is no shades of Marty. Is this the Chili's mascot? Is this who this is? Who is this? I, I respect the heck out of him, but I'm like, man, who is this country redheaded dude out here <laughs> talking about ball? But I, I mentioned the relationship building right off the top, and uh, Marty is one of the most genuine guys. Like he didn't feel like a reporter who was just there for the story. He didn't feel like a guy um, who who was there just to do a job. Um, you could tell that he was invested in representing our story arc with responsibility in the way that it needed to be represented. And I think that's important. And people lose sight of that sometimes, especially when you're handling a brand as big as Ohio State and some of the names that we had there. Um, But it was like, it was always cool because basically once the, the playoff starts, they assign the reporter and, and like that is your that's your media point of contact, you know, in, in at the, the biggest media thing in the world. Um, and so it was just it was great to to build the relationship. And, um, you know, Marty is as fun and lighthearted as is anybody in the business, too. Uh, so there were a lot of laughs, a lot of good times. Like I remember media day. It was awesome. Um, so it was, it was a ton of fun, but at first it was like, man, we got an old country guy over here in the Midwest. Like this should be good. 
And it sounds like Marty is partially responsible for the team's mentality going into that playoff game. So y'all might owe him a little bit of uh, respect. I got to text Urban and ask him where the hell my ring is. I, yeah, I, I mean, you know. no, no, no. I think you owe Ohio State for your success, Marty. I, I do. <laughs> I do. You know, it's funny as, as Josh was was talking about that. It makes me think about, and I've told Travis this story before. And there Imagine are times when I do, Bama. I do public speaking. Um. And I'll tell this story. And since it's my damn show, I'll tell the story now. But, you know, I remember that media day at the Sugar Bowl very, very distinctly. And one of the reasons is when I went into that specific assignment, I knew I'd been in media for a very long time. And I was in media in NASCAR. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that's a very passionate fan base. I knew that when people came in from the outside and they tried to use certain verbiage, and they tried to – I didn't know Cardale Jones from, you know, damn President Obama. Like, I, you know, Nobody I didn't know. Nobody did, though. Nobody right. did at that so time. So, was this like your <laughs> – was this your first college football Very first party? was the yeah. college football playoff wow. with Ohio State. And so, they dropped me in Columbus like an alien from Mars. And I made, the, de <laughs> I made the decision the very first day when I walked into the Woody. I am going to report what I see and what I find to be interesting about this program. That's it. I'm not going to get into the weeds and try to be something I'm not because Ohio State fans know a fraud the second they see it. And so one of the things that I thought was super cool were those Buckeye stickers on that helmet behind me. And I've always thought that was cool, all the way back to that awesome ESPN commercial, Buckeye, like I used to love that. Well, that media day – at the Sugar Bowl. If you remember, Josh, all you guys were at t sitting at tables on the yep. playing surface in yep. the, in the uh, Superdome. And so I am walking around. There's like 10 minutes left in the media day. And I had asked Jerry Emig, the sports information czar at Ohio State, to give me a helmet sticker sleeve. So I'm walking around with this little, little square with Buckeye stickers on it. And I slid it across the table to Joey Bosa. And I slid it across the table to Zeke Elliott. And I slid it across the table to Taylor Decker. And I slid it across the table to Kurt, all these guys, right? And I'm like, what are these? What is this sticker right here? Well, if I get a sack, I get it. No, 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 no. What, 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 are, what do they mean? What are they? What's it mean when you get this? I, I mean, I bet I asked five different guys. Finally, the guy comes on the loudspeaker. He's like, two minutes left in the session. And I'm like, well, yes. I'll try one more. My boy Devin Smith Telling is sitting you. all by himself. Nobody's around. He's, like, looking at his phone. And I go over there, and I said, hey, bro, I, 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 I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something, and I want you to tell me what it means to you. And he's like, all right. So I slide the helmet sticker across the poker table. And he goes, oh, I'm on special teams. So if I get, I'm like, Devin, damn it, what do the stickers mean to you? And he sat up in his chair, and he goes, okay, Mr. Marty, I see where you're going. That helmet sticker is Archie Griffin waiting on me when I get to the locker room to ensure 
that I'm prepared to uphold the tradition of The Ohio State University. That sticker is Chris Carter waiting on me when I exit the tunnel onto the playing surface to make sure that I'm prepared to uphold the tradition of The Ohio State University. That helmet sticker is Orlando Pace walking into my huddle to make sure that I'm prepared to uphold the tradition of The Ohio State University. He named like seven different players. and. Well. I was ready to strap up and knock the crap out of something. And I will never forget, I saved that report until right before kickoff of the Sugar Bowl. And it was the last report I did that entire time. And Ohio State fans still, what was that, eight, nine years ago? Ohio State fans in restaurants and airports still approach me about that report and how amazing they thought it was and how, how it encompassed this tradition that never dies if you played in that program. That, to me, really encompasses that tradition that that program is and how if you played in it, you are rooted in it forever. I mean, it's like, okay, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow might have had the greatest team of all time at LSU. Joe Burrow spent week one in Columbus. He did. It's just this amazing brotherhood up there. It's uh, it's uncommon. And, like, the guys who I played with are all still my best friends. Um, and I know a lot of people go their, their different directions after school. And I've got friends who never played in the league. I've got friends who are doing a hell of a job playing in the league right now. Um, you know, we're, we're all in different places. But we're connected. And Urban describes it as a blood transfusion you know he said that moment we, we all become one and i think it's a really interesting analogy but uh the the bonds that were forged in that locker room are uncommon to anything else i'm envisioning like the the blood brothers thing where y'all like cut your hand and do that like they do in the <laughs> movies i don't know why they always feel like they have to use a knife yeah I mean, you know you can just... probably do the same thing with a lot less Blood, but that's a very powerful image. Blood I think, less the, trauma. The blood <laughs> that's the uh, it's the imagery. You got to uh, you got to slice it on open. Uh, Joshua, you know you mentioned Marty's difference as a reporter, uh, contrasted against the typical reporter that comes in and and just asks the same questions. What's been the toughest thing for you transitioning to the other side of things? to not be stale, not be that guy that's asking all the same questions, saying all the same things as everybody else and being yourself? Yeah, I think, like, you have to shift your mind. There's two sides of it. It's it's what I know as a former athlete and then what people want to know as consumers of sports. And then how can you find the most interesting angle and intersection of that? Um, and it's difficult because it forces you to think outside the box and you have to workshop different ideas. Um, the other thing that I always try to be cognizant of is having been in that seat before, I always want to give the, the proper amount of respect to the athletes and to the sport. Um, and so that can be difficult at times because you got to find where that line is of, of where you really want to take it. But, um, you know, also you got a job to do. So the best way to get it done is always kind of what I consider but it's, um, it, I think it's been fun to, to reshape my mind and to also be on the other side, too. Because as players, it's almost like you're, you're coached to be adversarial 
when it comes to media and you sit there and you, your, your arms are folded and you're pissed off all the time. <laughs> and now that I'm on the other side, I just realized it's kind of work that way, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's just people trying to do their job. And so uh, it's been it's been interesting to kind of have both perspectives now. All right. Here's my here's my one Ohio State question, Marty. Josh, put your analyst cap on. What do you make of this Ohio State defense under Jim Knowles? Oh, it's a it's a really good one because I go back and forth. And uh, when the when his hiring was announced, I flipped on some Oklahoma State tape just to see what this defense was about. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, so I can't figure out what these guys are doing. I'm like, they don't have a ton of rules in their fronts. I'm like, linebackers are running through gaps, and every once in a while, they're cutting a guy loose in the back end of the defense. And I'm like, this is this is a little bit crazy. And I had the opportunity, because uh, now I'm, I'm calling some games on Big Ten Network, to actually sit down with Jim Knowles and, and talk to him about his defense and learn about the defense. And basically what he told me is he's like, we have rules. Um, we don't want anybody to understand what our rules are. I'm like, well, job well done, because I, I have no freaking clue. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, when you play an aggressive style of defense – there is this idea that you're going to give up big plays. And he says, we have a set number of big plays that we understand that we can give up in a game and still be successful and put ourselves in position to go out there and win. And so as I look at it, do you feel a little bit topsy-turvy sometimes? Yes. Has this defense created more negative plays than it has in the past? Absolutely. Are guys playing faster than they've played before? Yes. And one of the biggest things that stands out to me is Ohio State's second half defense so far this year has been phenomenal because they understand how to make adjustments. And that means that the coaches are seeing very clearly and uh, know what they want to see. And it also means that the players are communicating extremely well of what they're seeing and feeling out on the football field. Um, and so I've been excited about the progress just as a fan. Um, as an analyst, I want to know what the next test is and how they can respond to that and what the growth actually looks like over the course of a season. I have been in the facility in Columbus, Ohio. I have seen the countdown clock to the Michigan game. I know that's a cuss word for the people on the right side of my screen. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw at the, before the season started that Ryan Day was very honest and and open about the fact that you don't win that game, you failed. Encompass and like like encapsulate for us what that what the game is in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I grew up um, thirty minutes outside of Columbus, northern suburb, and so I grew up in the rivalry. And I was a, a young fan for the number one versus number two game in two thousand six or whatever the case was, like. That were those were some of the initial impressions to me of what that rivalry is at its greatest. Um, and so basically what it is, is an inordinate level of hate, but a respect as well. We hated those guys. Absolutely hated them. I was born <laughs> to, to not like those guys. I was conditioned to have hate in my heart for that team. Um, but now also that's the worst thing about it. Michigan. Well, I, I, I'm not going to get into it. I, I don't want to lose any, any credibility among the, uh, <laughs> the, the Michigan people that tune into my stuff. Uh, but I will say this is like taking a step out of it. 
Braylon Edwards has become a good friend of mine. Jake Butt, who is a two-time All-American tight end there, is a great friend of mine now. Yep. Like, that's where the respect comes from. On the field, no love lost. Like, couldn't stand it. So this is basically what happens, is the week leading up to the game on Ohio State's campus and other places in Central Ohio, every M on campus is crossed out. They don't exist anymore. It's called Hate Week, and that's how it starts. And then everybody's doing a pep rally. Every ad that you see is centered around the rivalry. Players are like your your eyes change color. Your mouth starts to foam up. You and It's because you've prepared all year to play this game, even though you haven't prepared all year to play in that game. Um, I can remember as a kid, my mother, who she is just like – Number one fan of Joshua Perry, but she hated that I played football as a kid and she was not really a football fan. She would go run her errands that Saturday because everything was dead in the city. Everybody was at a TV (laughs) watching that football game. It was the best time for her to get her errands done. Um, All of that to say that it's a longstanding rivalry that has been back and forth in the past. Some of the greatest players that this game has ever seen have played in that rivalry. Some of the greatest coaches that have ever coached the game of football have coached in that rivalry. Some of them on both sides of the rivalry. Um, And you can feel through your television set the emotion of every player that steps onto that football field. And I am proud to say that I never lost to those guys. I was going to say, I didn't think you ever lost to them. That was one, one point I wanted to make. Who's in charge of the X's? So that's a really good question. They probably there's probably a uh, an intramural uh, you know student group or something like that that is literally funded by the university. Sororities. It's 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 probably funded by university dark money. Go put the X's on there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The black market of X's on Columbus's campus. The underbelly of of college athletics. Do you call Jake Butt a traitor? So this, this is this is a, a funny story, um, and, and uh, Jake is a Central Ohio guy as well. So anytime I introduce him to people, I, I typically say a great Central Ohioan because that's what he is at his core. Um, Jake Butt grew up rooting for Ohio State. His house, his parents' home in his basement was 100% decorated uh, with scarlet and gray, and um, he did not get offered by Ohio State. And so he ends up going to Michigan, becomes a great player. His senior year, he won the Mackey Award. And, um, you know, Coach Myers at the award show because he's got guys that are up for some of these national awards too. And Jake told me this story last night at dinner, actually. Bumps into Urban in the lobby. He's waiting for his car so he can go to the airport. And Urban comes up to him and was like, Jake, you're a hell of a player, man. And, uh, and Jake says, oh, thanks, coach. And then he, he looks him right in the eye and says, why weren't you a Buckeye? As if he wasn't the guy in charge of giving Jake Butt an offer. Um, and so it's just like a really funny story. Um, in, in Urban, like he had very few misses in recruiting. Um, and Jake was on a very good high school team. I'm not sure what his star rating was. And he was a little bit more of um, – an inline guy that grew into being an athletic tight end, you know, Urban just wants to throw it around the yard. So he was looking for those guys who were, um, you know, pure split them out tight end type guys. Uh, but it's it's really funny because we all sit back and look and it's like, 
how does a guy like that get out of Central Ohio? But when you look at the history of that rivalry, too, and, and more so on the Michigan side than anything else, like they got a ton of great Ohio guys that went on to be phenomenal Michigan players. Desmond, aren't Desmond yes. and Woodson Ohio yes. guys? Yeah, they're true. Yes, both They of might them. be the two greatest Wolverines ever. You yeah, can make the, the argument. Without Ohio, they're nothing. Like, we don't need them. They need us. They want a lot of hardware, Travis. I mean, a lot, a lot of hardware, Bubba. Yeah, they got some trophies. This probably is not, you know, this is probably not the moment for you to be trying to talk a whole bunch of trash either, Rockhold. Why? They've got right one now, coming. I think. They've got one coming on? to them. They might have one coming, but right now they own it. Congrats. You got the one. Josh, I love, I love nothing more than giving Travis the most colossal ration of grief about anything that has to do with the Wolverines. Oh, we've, we've already came and spoke year. to you guys. Did you put an X over the M in his name? <laughs> so we were past hate week. We were past hate week, so we were good. Okay. I didn't know if M's were banned every single day. <laughs> so it of was the year. it was after not when Josh was there, but in the future Marty did a hit that week and on Sports ESPN they, they crossed, crossed it off out. the M's on his name. <laughs> oh, that's good. Like, I love that. I love ESPN, that ESPN understood the assignment. So I'll give you a, what, uh, a couple of deals. So let's just, just jump in. To the, real quick, relating to the rivalry. Um, so you come in for that week. The scout team jerseys, the maize and blue jerseys, are taped to the floor. So you, you kind of get used to walking over Michigan. It's a, a hell of a, a, a mental shift there. Um, Urban also, you couldn't wear blue in the facility. He also banned blue pens, so you couldn't write in blue ink either. Oh. I remember that too, bro. I remember walking in the day I met him. I had on like my entire wardrobe is blue, and it was it, now yeah. at least I have um, I have expanded the uh, color palette in my wardrobe quite a bit since then. But back then, everything I had was blue because it matches everything. I go in there, yep. shake his hand. Like the very first thing he ever said to me was, "Just don't get in our way." And the second thing he said to me was, he said, awful, god-awful color you're wearing. I mean, he hates some blue, dude. I think he still hates blue. He does. He does. He does. Uh, all right, we'll get you out of here in a second. Let's just talk this season real fast. Uh, it's been such a unique moment in the Big Ten with uh, the, the, the expansion and USC and UCLA on the way here in a very short period of time. What do you see that addition, those additions doing for the conference, to the conference, and um, how did you react when it was announced? Yeah, the reaction was it was the right move because it feels like this is a moment in college football where you're either going to be on the cutting edge and on the forefront or you're going to get left behind. And the Big Ten made the decision that they didn't want to get left behind. Um, you talk about L.A. and its glitz and its glam and its eyeballs and its excitement, its, its money, it's all of that. Um, but then you start to dig deeper into it. You're talking about two of the most storied brands in college football and USC and UCLA coming in. Beautiful jerseys, beautiful helmets, like all of that kind of stuff. And then my mind, like the first thing it went to as a kid who grew up watching Big Ten ball, and laments the fact that I, I never played in a Rose Bowl. And part of that was the shift to the CFP. The first thing that came into my mind was this Rose Bowl imagery of the two of the hottest brands in college football ever out of 
the Pac-12 conference, and then you bring them into the Big Ten. I, I think it's just amazing. And then I went back to this thought of sitting down with, with um, conference commissioners, and I've gotten to know Kevin Warren uh, well over the last couple of years. My first year at the network, uh, Jim Delaney was still um, – running the Big Ten, and, you know, we always had opportunities to sit down with him. But you asked the question, Jim, why did you go with, with Big Ten East and West? Maybe North and South for the divisions would have been a little bit more equitable in terms of, of competitive balance. And he says that the Big Ten is the coast-to-coast conference. We are a national conference. We're nationally known. And East and West feels like it encompasses that better than North and South does. And I'm like, damn, that's really interesting. And so now you're in a, really, a spot really where you have teams in your footprint from L.A. to Chicago to D.C. to New York. I mean, that that's exactly the position that anybody would want to be. So um, I'm excited to see what my conference is going to look like into the future. Um, I'm excited about some of these matchups, like you getting X's and O's. Lincoln Riley feels like he's got that thing going exactly the way he wants it to um that'll make for some really good games it will and and he does have that thing going exactly where he wants it to go you were a guy who like this nil thing is interesting man because you were on those guys that were in the locker room with you would have made a lot of loot all right i mean a lot a lot a lot of loot how do you view it and in your opinion what is the best what is the best formula for NIL for everyone involved? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, as a player, was one of the guys who'd be on Twitter talking about how, you know, all the money is in college football for everybody except for the athletes. And I think these last couple of years have really been an example of that with the explosion of coaching salaries. And, you know, schools have built um, – facilities because they have to put money somewhere and they can't give it to players. They still can't. Um, But, you know, you look at TV deals and everything else to try to act like this is the old amateurism of of when Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler were coaching, I think is ignorant. Um, So I love the opportunity for athletes. The thing that troubles me and what I worry about the most is that young athletes are extremely vulnerable and can be taken advantage of by bad actors um, who are, are trying to advocate on behalf of these universities, even though they, they don't work for the universities, they don't have any accountability toward the universities. Um, and so I'm a little bit leery of these collectives that have popped up and uh, the role that they're playing, especially in high school recruiting. So I'd like to see something done about those and, and how we could potentially regulate that. But like, does watching CJ Stroud pull up in a $200,000 Mercedes bother me at all? Absolutely not. He's a starting quarterback at The Ohio State University. And if his market value says that he's worth a Mercedes, that's exactly what he's worth. Um, Do I also look into non-revenue sports? And I see uh, athletes and especially female athletes that have huge social media followings and they have a ton of young fans that are starting to make money. And, And for some of these athletes that aren't on full scholarship, they can pay their tuition without going into debt which is something that we look at in society and say, hey, this thing is on fire. There's a problem. I like that opportunity for them, too. So I see way more positives than negatives coming out of this thing. I just think that there needs to be some guardrails on how we can make sure that young people don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, there's a lot of trash out there, a lot of uh, shady characters that probably shouldn't be allowed to 
engage and interact with players and, and using NIL as a way to do that. And I agree that's the biggest mess, I think, on the horizon is a lot of that, that lack of regulation. Joshua, you mentioned the, uh, the divisions in the Big Ten, and, and we're a very directionally challenged podcast. We don't really know our geography that well. But I will say the unfortunate thing for everyone in the Big Ten is that they'll never have the opportunity to win an SEC championship, which I think is, is the greatest conference championship in all sports. Uh, but when you look specifically in the SEC, we're kind of SEC guys. At least Marty and I are in that footprint. Uh, Travis is too, kind of in Nashville. Uh, looking at Will Anderson, okay? A former player like yourself looking at Will Anderson – the typical viewer can look at him and salivate all day long. But what do you see out of an individual that's so dominant uh, like he is for the Tide? Well-rounded. Um, I, I think his game comes together extremely well. And a lot of these guys who are, are really good pass rushers aren't necessarily great run defenders. Uh, but he makes himself known in either phase of the game, which is really important. Physical traits are there. Uh, play strength is ridiculous. He's got phenomenal bend, hip, knee, ankle flexion, all the things that you want. Um, understands how to pass rush, too. And I don't think people realize that um, pass rushing is a skill that you're born with. But I also think it's a thinking man's game. Um, you set up your pass rush tree. So if you come off the line at first, you hit somebody with a speed rush. Now you got them kicking. Once you do that, you can hit them with a bull rush, and now they're going to want to anchor you. And once they anchor, you can freeze them, and then you can get around them. Like, he's a guy who understands all those things, so he sets up each and every one of his rushes like a professional does. Here's what I would say, and this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, but Aiden Hutchinson, the phenomenal season that he had a year ago, give him a ton of credit. Uh, Will Anderson, twice the amount of TFLs last year and didn't get half the credit. Uh, it, it's it's kind of wild when you watch it happen. That guy was ridiculous. Box office for me is somebody who loves defensive football to watch. Um, and, and so just to, to see how mature his game is, I, I think it's it's really impressive. Brother, you're a light in the world. I appreciate your time so much. I appreciate your spirit. And I cannot wait to see you again real soon. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so proud of you. Keep hammering, man. Thank you, Joshua. Th thank you. I told that young man when I met him at Ohio State that he was going to do whatever he wanted to do. That his spirit and kindness and, and perspective on things were so rare, especially at his age then, that he was going to do whatever he wanted to do. I knew that he'd be a media star. He's just I mean, getting he started. If he He's going to do he, such huge things. We, he could be I a also Fortune said, 500 company. Like, he could do whatever. I remember Urban Meyer telling me that about Joshua when I, I went to Urban, uh, when I still didn't really know Urban very well yet. And I'm like, man, that guy, that, that, that guy, that guy Perry, he's a special one. He goes, he's either going to be the governor of Ohio, he's going <laughs> to run a Fortune 500 company, I'd or be a media superstar. I'd watch him. And, I mean, he just what, – what a, what a beautiful person. Uh, I'm a humongous fan. He and I, Josh and I went one time to uh, Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse in Columbus. It was the day they announced Ryan Day as the head coach of Ohio State. And got done with all the work, was staying that night. And I know Jeff Ruby pretty well uh, from all the time I've spent, not only in Louisville, but also in Columbus. And we're sitting there having a great dinner, 
our production group, myself, Josh came, and in the middle of the dinner, I get FaceTimed by Jeff, and Jeff goes, hey, wine's on me. That's my man. Love you, Jeff. Anyway, Josh is going to do great things. Proud of you, buddy. Thank you for your time. So uh, I mentioned Luke Combs earlier in the podcast. I found the video. Let's. I just want you guys to watch this utter greatness. This is what is brilliant. it? Who are we watching chugging here? Beer. Oh, oh yeah. As referenced earlier, grabs his grabs his CL. Look at that. Oh he's my. Not, he's not shot. Oh my, he's that is. At no point has he stopped. That's just showmanship right there. Wow, that was a boss move. Look at that. What a pro. What a weekend and in And then boom. just kept it moving. Like, could you do that, Travis? No. Nope. Wes? I yeah, I could. No chance here, bud. No, no. You you couldn't do what he just did there where he didn't close his mouth, Wes. No no chance for me. I don't I, know, man. I can drink some beer. I didn't even see him glug. Like, I think no, he just you, like. You could see a couple times, but like. Could you? There's. Then we need to tape a podcast. Should I should I go get a beer and try it? Yes. All right, I'll be right back. I mean, if you don't want to do it now, we'll do another one at it's some point. It's five o'clock. It's five thirty-seven somewhere. I was gonna say we could do it later, another time. But all right, he can't do it. He's not gonna. If Wes pulls us off, I mean, Wes is my boy, man. But uh, that's he's gonna spit up a, everywhere. That's a hell of a talent, man. It, I watched this. Somebody sent me a video of a girl. Who put like a tap, like a like a tap or something on a bottle of Cuervo, and she killed the entire bottle of Cuervo in like two seconds. She'd be wouldn't in the that hospital. like kill you? At, at, yeah, at minimum at minimum alcohol poisoning in the hospital. I don't right. I don't because just the, been, like you could you chug it? Me out water or something? Could you chug it? Yeah, you could. But then after the, that much alcohol and that much sort of time, you'd be rendered useless. I, well, there's no way that Wes I, uh, can do this. If, I had like two glasses of wine last night, two and a half glasses of wine last if night. The look, right, Wes, what kind of beer do you have? If the look I All just right. got from Brittany while she was working at our <laughs> kitchen bar could kill me. Good. Yeah. It's for it's hey, it's for the people, man. Be dead. Y'all started doing this yet? We already got our Halloween going. We already got. Oh our man, Halloween you do got your home. Halloween going. We're not there yet. All right. We don't have our Halloween decorations. This is yet. a Creature don't. Comforts. Wow, he's the Bebo. What is it? Cre oh, Bebo. Creature Comforts. All right. All right, Creature Comforts, this Bebo. This is my favorite Creature Comforts beer. If you consume them, if you're in the footprint. What, what, wait, what, 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 what genre? Is this a this IPA a, lager? Oh, hell no. This is a Pilsner. Pilsner. Okay. Very good. Okay, okay so that's good. a good chugging beer. All right. It's a great chugging beer. Go. Just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, it is 10.39 in the morning. Wesley, three, two, one, go. I mean. Pretty good. I didn't want to do the, the fountain. Well, see, that's what I wanted to see. But I look, hey, credit. So, I give. All, right. I'm sitting in a nice Props, leather chair. Brother. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying there to wasn't ruin the poor, the but I'm still. That was. That was still impressive for 10:37 in the morning. If I'm challenged. I will say. If I'm challenged, Travis, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Well, uh, I'm. I think, I'm impressed. I think that's how we end the podcast. Okay. Travis is impressed. America's impressed. Um, wow. 
the things I'll I appreciate do, you, brother. The things I'll do I, for I mean, Outsider I got, Brand. I got, I got nothing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week. Thank you to our law enforcement officials everywhere working hard to keep us safe and our community safe. Fire and rescue. My boy Gene Wojciechowski had an awesome. Oh, that story was awesome, great. Awesome feature on College Game Day about Eric All, the great tight end at the University of Michigan. Uh, when he was a little infant, he was saved from a house fire. Uh, and the piece is trem- – if you haven't found it, it's actually on my, my Twitter machine, Marty Smith ESPN, and uh, Gene's is Gino ESPN. Go find it. Watch it. It'll make your day better. Great job, Gino. I think John Fish was his producer. Great job by that group. Uh, also, great job, Danny Aruda, my producer on the uh, Appalachian State feature. Thank you, guys. I got so much feedback. I mean, hundreds of texts from all over the place about that feature. Uh, really appreciate first responders, firemen. Thank you, guys. United States military, we are free. Thank you, guys, so much for your sacrifice. We are so grateful. Teachers, thank you, guys, for helping us raise up these youngins. On SEC Nation last week, Marty and McGee, we gave a, a gentleman in Auburn, Alabama, uh, $1,000. He's a teacher. Uh, this is Extra Yard for Teacher's Time. We care so much about our educators. Not only what y'all are teaching them out of books, but what y'all are teaching them about life. Thank you. We're grateful. Y'all have a great week. Wes is in recovery mode. I'm good. Peace. Thank you.